the warmest of welcomes to Northwest Hills. So good to see you here. A wonderful nine o'clock service. So good to see you here at 1030 to sing some great uh, songs of praise and thanksgiving to our great God together, to give our gifts in the offering box, to study his word, and yes, to fellowship together and encourage each other in our walk with Christ. If this is your first time or your 1,000th time, we welcome you warmly. In the seat beside you, in the seat back in front of you as a guest, you'll find a welcome card there. I would invite you to fill that out with as much information as you would like. And you can bring it right up here to me. I'll be over here to my left at that black table to your right after the service. And I'd love a chance to meet you and to welcome you, to get to know you. A lot of new first-time guests that had the privilege of meeting right there at the 9 o'clock service. And uh, it's always great to meet new friends. And no, no matter where you come from, how you found us, we're glad you're here. And uh, we welcome you warmly. Um, also, I hope you got your program on the way in. A lot of information there. Pastor Josh will be up at the end of the service to talk more about that. But on the front of it, you'll see some artwork that's representative of our brand new teaching series uh, entitled This Is Us. And you see um, down at the bottom all of those rain boots. And there is a blank spot there for your boots. And this is a great place for you to fit right in uh, a community of faith that you can connect with. And learn and grow, uh, learn about God, what it means to have a relationship with God, uh, learn about the Bible, uh, what it looks like to study the Bible and, and how the Bible teaches us about God and, and just a place for you and your boots this fall to go on a journey of uh, learning what it means to be a follower of Christ, to have a relationship with God and to study his word. In the This Is Us series, we're going to be going over our five uh, core values that are the underpinnings, the bedrock of our church community here. They are the uh, guardrails on this road. They're the banks on this rushing river of the work of God known as Northwest Hills. Our scriptures this morning will be over in Second Timothy chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Second Timothy chapter 3 will be there with verse 16 and 17. Uh, and we'll be there in just a couple of moments. I was thinking this past week uh, how many things change. Just think back over the last 10 years of your life with me. In fact, where were you 10 years ago today? Um, maybe you were working then. Maybe you've since retired. Maybe um, you didn't have children then. Maybe you have children. Maybe you... We're single then. Now you're married. Maybe you were married. Now you're single again. Uh, All of these seasons and these movements of life. uh, This is what we know. The one thing that is constant in life is change. And someone has said that change is difficult for most people. In fact, the only person who likes change is the baby with the wet diaper. And sometimes not even them. Right. Uh, because they sure seem to cry a lot when I was changing those diapers from wet to dry. But change can be difficult, but change is so important and it's a part of life. Not something to be fought against, but something really to be embraced, something to be experienced. So, so important. Take a look at some of these pictures and, and think with me about the things that change. You know, in our, in our society, our leaders change. And we're coming up here on a midterm election. I hope you're ready to vote and participate in that to make a, uh, a well-studied out, prayerful vote at this upcoming midterm. What a great opportunity we have in our nation to participate in the process. 
And so you'll have that opportunity and leaders will change. And sometimes leaders change on the national level and sometimes on the state and local levels. And sometimes yet leaders remain the same. And, and these decisions and changes have been going on year after year. My, my wife Jamie and I were uh, sorting through some boxes yesterday afternoon, uh, still getting settled from our move and getting things organized and finding things that we thought we had lost that have been found and getting things reorganized. And we found a letter Yesterday from my grandparents who both are now deceased and uh, we find this this handwritten letter from and, and Jamie says that's from your grandma. That's her handwriting and it was about a three page letter and we quickly read it and they were greeting both of us. We were in college when they sent us that letter and uh, they said in the letter we're looking at all of the current political candidates Bush Clinton Buchanan. <laughs> and I had to smile. I thought, wow, that took me back, you know, and uh, they were analyzing these candidates and they were thinking about this and writing these thoughts to us in this letter. And think about since then all of the changes and the different leaders and 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 things that go and people that come and go off of the scene. Leaders change. Look at the second one. Uh, you know, Northwest Hills is changing. And that's a good thing. I want to encourage you to embrace that. So important. That's a D7. Uh, that's the uh, room, the uh, the building room that's right across the courtyard, just straight out of the sanctuary, right across the courtyard. One of our larger adult educational rooms. And a year ago, D7 did not look anything like that. And it's gone through a total remodel, a real spruce up. It's been really fixed up and freshly painted and and uh, and outfitted with some really great tools for people to use to study God's word and to see missionary presentations. And it is so exciting to see some of the rooms now in our facility beginning to change. And that is a wonderful thing. Rooms change, colors change, staff changes. As you are a part of a growing church, you'll see that things change change. And that's just really important. It's a whole part of the dynamic. The church that I served at uh, during my years in Georgia um, was a church that uh, a longtime friend of mine has been the pastor. And he and I were in school together. He took that congregation. There were 47 people. And he was the youth group when he got there as the pastor. Uh, 14 years later, that church wasn't 47 people. It was 2,000 people on Sunday. And it is out this, I mean, crooked country road in North Georgia. You've got to get lost to find the church. And the pastor told me, he said, Mike, in the 14 years I've been here, as we've seen this growth, he said, my office has been in nine different places. And he said, the reason is, is I was there and then we had to use that for a classroom. So I went over there and then we was, I was there for a year and then we had to, we knocked down a wall and made a large classroom. And then he said, for one year, I was totally mobile and I really didn't have an office. But how exciting is that? That is the joy of being a part of a growing fellowship as colors are changing and rooms are changing and different locations for different classes because they're growing and change is exciting and encouraging and important. Rooms change. Leaders change. You know, there's another one that we can't forget. Seasons change. And we're enjoying that so much right now, aren't we? Yesterday, uh, Jamie and I and two of our kids found ourselves over on the Oregon coast and just admiring all of the trees and the foliage and the beautiful colors this time of the year and just reminding us of how seasons of our life change. Lastly, you know, people change. 
Here's a picture from circa 1978 of your pastor when he was eight years old. I promise you this. I don't look like that anymore. And you can tell that. Look at that shirt. That's vintage, right? Uh, people change. Uh, your spouse changed. Your kids changed. How many of you uh, 10 years ago didn't have uh, grandchildren and you have grandchildren now? Let me see your hand. Look all across this congregation. Wow. Look how things change. On to the next slide. Here is one thing that never changes. You know what it is? It's the Bible, the word of God. Amidst all of the change. And I would contend that much of that change is good and necessary and important. Change that's to be embraced, to be celebrated. Change that, that comes into our life that, that uh, notes growth and excitement and a focus forward. But amidst all of the change, change that sometimes can be tiring. Same change that sometimes can be breathtaking. Change that sometimes can be overwhelming. The wonderful truth is this. The Bible, God's word, these 66 love letters from God's heart to our heart never changes. I love Malachi 3 where God says, I am the Lord, your God. I change not. I'm the God who never changes. And my words, these 66 books, the Bible, God's word, never changes. It's a sure foundation amidst all of the ups and downs and the in and outs and the change of our life. Here's a foundation that's sure, steady and fast. And you know what, church? It's a it's a foundation that you can build your life on. Not only your life, but you can build your family on it. Not only your family, but you can build your business on its principles. Not only your business, we can build our church on these principles. And in your mind, pull up in your mind's eye right now a picture of your of your home, your house. Uh, the house that you live in, the house that you left this morning, the house you're going to go back to at some point today. Do you have that house pictured in your mind? I want you to picture your house just coming right down and just sitting right upon top of this Bible. This is the foundation for that home that God is allowing you and yours to build. Think about the Northwest Hills property. Can you kind of see Northwest Hills in your mind's eye? You can see her from Walnut as you approach, as you leave. You can see our church facility. Think about it in your mind's eye, just coming right down and just sitting right on top of this Bible. The Bible is our sure foundation for everything that we do at Northwest Hills, for what we should be doing in our individual lives. Put yourself, your picture right on top of this Bible, your family. It is a foundation that we can build our life on. That's why Job said. I've esteemed thy words, O Lord, more necessary than my very physical food. That's why the sweet psalmist of Israel, David, said in Psalm 119, Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. Again, in Psalm 119, what did he say? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's why Paul once saw Met God, had a head-on collision with God on the road to Damascus. God changed his life. Saul becomes Paul. He's mentoring young Pastor Timothy. He says to him, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman or workwoman in the word that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. John seventeen seventeen. the beloved apostle John. One of our Lord's inner three, one that laid his head on our Lord's chest, said, what of this Bible, this word? He said, thy word is truth. And it's truth that a church can be built on. It's truth that a family can be built on. It's truth that a life can be built on. And amidst all of the things in life that change, 
and much of it good, some of it challenging, all of it at times breathtaking, we find such comfort and encouragement in knowing that the Bible, God's word and the God of the Bible never changes. Always faithful, bedrock, sure foundation that we can build upon. Now you say, Pastor Mike, I, I'm, I'm here at Northwest Hills today and I'm, I'm exploring faith. I, I don't even know if I believe the Bible is God's word or is the Bible just a collection of historical events or, or fairy tales or is the Bible just a, 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 a set of stories about a God? I, I don't know about the Bible. I, I wonder about how we got it and, and, and the details of it. If, if that's your, your, your mind today, let me encourage you with this. Most of the people in this room were in that exact position at one time in their life. There was a time in my life where I, I didn't know if the Bible was God's word. I, I didn't know the truths of it. I didn't know how we received it. I had to learn. I had to study. I had to, to delve in. I, I started by just sort of studying about Jesus and learning about his life. And then from there I went out and I started learning about how we got this Bible. And I'm telling you, it is a fascinating journey. And I want you to know this, whether you're here and you believe the Bible is God's word, you are absolutely locked and loaded that it is God's truth. Let me tell you something. I'm thrilled for you. I'm there with you. And we're going to learn and learn and learn from it and about it. But if you're here and you say, Pastor Mike, this is all new to me and I don't know about the Bible or what I think about it. I want you to know something. We're thrilled you're here. And this is a wonderful, safe place to explore faith and to ask those hard questions and allow us to go on that journey with you of discovering exactly what is the Bible and the joy and the richness that it absolutely can bring to your life. If that's your situation today, out on the welcome desk, I've put an article there that for those of you that would like a deeper dive, it's simply called Bible Reliability Maps to Guide You through Bible reliability, and it is a wonderful uh, two-page article. It's not long, but it's a, a really nice deep dive as you look in to how we got our scriptures and the maps, a little acronym, to the reliability of the scripture. And we talk about manuscript evidence, archaeological evidence, fulfilled prophecy, and statistical probability. If you'd like to look at that, see that sort of backstory, I encourage you to pick one of those up. If they're already all gone when you get there, you can go to nwhills.com tomorrow on our blog and there'll be a, a link posted to that article there where you can go and take a little deeper look. And then for all of us with today's message, I'm encouraging if you want to do a little more reading, if you need to sort of refresh yourself again with the Bible, this simple little book called How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It by Skip Heitzig is a wonderful gift. And at the beginning... It has, uh, again, some of that same material as to how we got our Bible, uh, what translations to consider, and then just a wonderful section on just how to read and study the Bible for pleasure and profit. And it's a real, real blessing. And that'll be on the blog as well. And I'll leave it up here where you can take a look at it and you can pick it up um, at a lot of different places. It's, it's freely available for your encouragement and an opportunity to dig a little deeper than just today's message. So amidst all of this change, we bring what? We bring ourselves down as individuals, as families, and as a church, and we build our lives on the foundation of the never-changing, all-true Word of God. What makes the Bible so authoritative? 
What makes it so inviting? What makes it so powerful? What makes it so different than any other book or document of literature that we have? And we have so many that we can read and look at in this day and age. There's one word in our section of scriptures that really sets the Bible apart from all others. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is... And I chose the NIV translation here because it really defines the words for us that we could spend the majority of our time defining words. All scripture is. And in fact, if you have an older translation, you will know. And many of you who've read this passage in the older versions will know that the word that's often there is all scripture is. What's that word, church? You got it is inspired. It's a great word inspired. It's a wonderful original language word. It's actually a compound word. Um, that means um, God breathed. And the word is this, theonustos. T-H-E-O, theo, it's the first part of that word in the compound from which we get our word theology. Uh, it's the study of God. Nustos, from which we get our word pneumatic. And there's a whole class of tools that are available to men and women to enjoy and use that are pneumatic tools that means they are driven by what church air that's exactly right who here owns a pneumatic nailer you have a pneumatic nailer let me see your hands look at that i want one of those so bad and my family will not buy me one i mean those things can pump out nails just right and my family, if they sat me down and said, "Hun, we do not need nails in our trees, our cars, our roof, our feet, the dog. We are not giving you one of those nailers. You would be wheels off with that. And that nailer, I mean, the way I grew up driving nails was what? Look, right? Right? And boy, they've come along now and just boom, 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 boom. And those nailers are driven by air, pneumatic tool. That's exactly what we have going on here. All scripture is inspired by God. It's the theopneustos. It's God's air. It's God's breath. That's what makes the Bible different from every other book that you will pick up and read. When you hold the word of God, this is what makes the Bible authoritative and powerful to put your life, your family, your business, your church on. Because we hold in our hands the Bible. We are literally holding the air or the breath of God. And we have his here revealed heart and will for our everyday lives. You know, something's powerful here. It says what? All scripture is God's breath. Every one of the books that's been canonized into these 66 books, these love letters from the heart of God to our heart, from Genesis to Revelation, all points in between represent the air or the breath of God. And they teach us how to do life. They show us how to do marriage and finances and employer-employee relationships and church. They teach us how to love our neighbor and to the importance of fact, in fact, actually loving our neighbor. They teach us how to orientate ourselves to those who have less than we do. It, it just affects and speaks into every single aspect of our life. Look at the authority. Look at the power that comes from this first phrase. All scripture is God breathed. And the scriptures are useful. They're useful. Don't you like things that are useful? You have some uh, kitchen tools that are useful. 
You've bought some other kitchen tools that are not so useful. And they tend to just sit in the drawer, right? But boy, you find some of those tools and gadgets that you're using around the kitchen and they're just so useful that you find yourself using them all the time. This is exactly the way it is with God's word. It is so incredibly useful that it speaks into every aspect of our life all the time. All the words, God's breath. All the words useful for every aspect of all of our lives. And that's why this Bible is a generational, perennial bestseller. Skeptics and those who have hated the Bible over the generations have tried to eradicate it. Voltaire, um, French uh, scholar and philosopher, said that during his lifetime he would eradicate the Bible. After he died, one of his properties was used by the European Bible Society to store Bibles. Why is it? Because all Scripture is inspired and it's powerful and it's useful and it's works and it's real and it's alive and it's inexhaustible and it's different from any other piece of literature that you will pick up. Well, what's it useful for, Pastor Mike? Look at the four things. I love the first one. It teaches us. It just teaches us. You start reading the Bible. I encourage people to start reading in James. It's a great place to start. Start reading maybe in the Gospel of John, another great place to start. You start wading in. You start learning about God, how much he loved us, that he sent his son Jesus to go to the cross and take our sins upon him to the tomb, out of the tomb, victorious the third day. We learn the Gospel. We learn all about God's love for us, that ultimate summary of the Bible in one verse, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. People have called it the Bible in a nutshell. We start diving in. We start learning. We start seeing all that the Bible has to teach us. You know, I was thinking this week, the Bible ultimately teaches us about God. About how God created the world. About how everything started. About how everything's going to end. About how it's going to be lived out in the middle. About sin and the result of sin. About the fact that he loved us. In fact, I like to think of it like this. It really teaches us about creation. It teaches us about the fall. What happened to Adam and Eve and as they were representatives of the human race. It teaches us about the cross. It teaches us about choices that we make. It teaches us about eternity. There's a heaven to be gained. There's a hell to be shunned. All of this in the Bible. It just plain and simply teaches us. As you've been reading the Bible and studying it over the years, think how much about the Bible and of the Bible and from the Bible you have learned as a wife, as a single friend, as a husband, as a son or a daughter, as a parent, as a grandpa or grandma, about life, what all it teaches us. Secondly, the Bible says here that it is useful because it rebukes us. Can I just simply say it like this? It really shows us what is wrong. It shows us those areas where we're off. It shows us where there should be a straight line, but it's a crooked line. It shows us that where there should be a pole that's standing straight and shining out, it's fallen over and it's shining in the wrong direction. It shows us the things that are wrong. But I love the fact it doesn't leave us there. Watch this. 
Not only does it rebuke us, but oh, this next word is so cool. It corrects us. And the word correct there means it stands us back up straight again. It stands us back up straight again. It not only shows us what's wrong, but it shows us what's right. It not only shows us the crooked path and where that's going to lead us, but it says, no, no, don't go the crooked way. Hey, go the straight way. Hey, if you're off here, let's get you back up and get you straight here so that you can have absolutely the best life now that God has intended for you. It teaches us. It says, hold on. You're going the wrong way. Go this way. Isn't this exactly what we do as parents and grandparents with our children all day, every day? Moms, do we do that all day, every day with our with our kids? Dads, absolutely. When I was a very, 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 very young parent, I somehow got in my head that if you really, just like Dr. Dobson trained us, you really get down on one knee and you train your kids right and use the right tone and you're forceful and you're clear and you do it all just perfectly right. You do it one time right, they get it and it's done and over and you go on to the next thing. And I had to quickly, very quickly learn as a very, very, very young parent that you have to do that over and over and over again, and you're working over and over and over again. And just when you think you've got it, it falls apart and you build it back over and over and over again. And God does that exact same work in our life through his word. He teaches us, he rebukes us, he corrects us. He teaches us, he rebukes us, he corrects us. He stands us back up straight and says, that is the way to go. Pastor Mike, where could we see that in action? Turn with me very quickly over to Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to see it in action. Here's what that exactly looks like. As he teaches us, rebukes us, and corrects us. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 25 says, Therefore each of you must... Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. Watch. In other words, he teaches us to stop lying. There's the rebuke. But look at the correction. But instead, let me stand you back up straight and right. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. In other words, don't lie. Speak the truth. Here's what he's teaching us. He corrects the lie. We replace that with the truth. He goes on down and talks about anger. He says, don't don't let the anger, don't let ang- the, the sun go down upon your wrath. Uh, be angry and, and sin not. Solve your problems the right way. Don't go to bed angry. Don't let angry well up in you because anger unresolved turns into resentment. And then resentment unresolved turns into bitterness. And that is scary waters to tread in. So you've got to resolve your problems in a biblical way. Therefore, Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. So he kind of rebukes that sort of seething, holding on to, bubbling anger and says, instead, speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15. Talk out your problems, resolve your problems in a healthy and right way. Look what else he says. Those of you that are stealing, there's the rebuke. Don't steal. It's not the right way to live. It's a crooked way. Instead, he sets up the pole straight as an arrow. You know what he says? Instead, go out and work with your hands. Earn a living so you can buy the things you need and you won't steal from others. And he just throughout the scriptures just teaches us, rebukes and corrects, teaches us, rebukes and corrects. He stands us back up straight again. At our house along the walkway, we have these little solar lights that are very handy at night because we live way out in the country and we don't have street lights. We're not way out in the country. We live out in the country. We don't have street lights. And so those little lights become very handy uh, after dark. 
And one of them is always leaning over, and it drives me crazy. And I am forever messing with that light, pushing it down, setting it up straight, propping it up. You know what I'm doing? I'm correcting it. I'm taking something that's crooked, and I'm straightening it up. I'm stabilizing it down because I want it to stand strong and straight. I want it to cast out the light that it's supposed to cast out in a proper way. Because you know what happens when it leans? It, don't ca- it doesn't cast light onto our path. It casts light just down into the dirt. And it's not serving its useful purpose. And God says, I want you to absolutely serve your most useful purposes and be absolutely spot on. As a single friend, as a dad, as a mom, as a wife, as a mother, as a grandpa, as a grandma. And I want you to stand strong and I want your light to shine. And I want that light to be a light that is a blessing to everyone that comes near it. And the only way I can get you there, God says, is as I teach you and I rebuke you and I correct you. And my word is the primary subject matter of that process. That's the textbook. For that heart, mind, and soul process. And he uses the life manual for life to do that in our heart. All of that, teaching, rebuking, correcting. Here's the teaching. Here's the wrong way. Here's the right way. Is exactly what happens in the process of training us up in righteousness. Training us up in righteousness. That exact language is the exact Same wording, the exact same tenses that are used when those scriptures are dealing with the parent-child relationship as we are doing that child training work. This is exactly the work that God does in us. And so in a sense, God is showing us here. He's sort of showing his cards, if you will, as to how we as parents and grandparents should be training our kids. We should be teach, teach, teaching them. And when we see them start to swerve We stop, we get their little faces into our face, and we say, no, you're going the wrong way. This isn't the right way to go, but you need to go this way. We correct, this is the right way to do it. Teach, rebuke, correct is what God does in our life through his word. And in that process, he trains us up in righteousness. And we start to what? We start to mature, right? We start to grow. We start to think about things differently. Even the changes that we're experiencing in our home, in our church, in our own life, we view those differently now. As we begin to mature and we see all that God is up to in and through our lives, He trains us up. And the primary vehicle for doing that, the primary power pack, the battery pack for doing that, is all of these scriptures that have been inspired or God-breathed to impact our way and our life in that way. Look at the glorious result, and I'm done. So that the man or the woman or the young man or the young lady of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Wow. That as a result of this life-changing, authoritative, authentic, generationally powerful Bible, the words of God, as they get unto us and we get into them, 
as they teach us about God and have a right, how to have a right relationship with him through Jesus, as all of this begins to impact us and the words just begin to change us, that as we get into the Bible and the Bible gets into us, as we love it and learn it and live it, what happens? Through the scriptures, a tool belt is put upon us that will give us every tool that we need to do all that God has called us to do. That the man or woman, that the young person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You'll have everything you need to do everything that God is calling you to do. You know, being thoroughly equipped is important. How many of you have gone camping before and you figured out after you went on the camping trip that you were ill-equipped? Let me see your hands. Yes, Lord. Is that not a disaster? I went on a Cascade High buck hunt many years ago with my friend Dick Isaacson, another friend of mine, me and Bob Derrickson shared a tent. Well, I'm going to tell you, we were not properly clothed for the temperatures up and around the Mount Hood National Forest in late November. And I woke up at 3 a.m. I, I believe I was minutes from freezing to death, I promise you. I was frozen. And as I was visiting with some of the other guys that were hunting, oh, no, we, we, one guy said, oh, I was actually warm. I, you know, and, and I started learning the difference between, between sleeping bags and, and, and there's different ratings for sleeping bags. And some of these guys had these little heaters that they were using. And all of a sudden, I just was sitting there going, wow, I was not properly equipped. And I about froze to death. How many of you have headed out to, to do a, a home project? And uh, you get halfway into that home project to realize you don't have everything you need to finish the project. That's why we always see each other at Home Depot, isn't it? I run into Keith Lampy every time I go to Home Depot. And he's just in there disheveled, you know, with this like Oregon State sweatshirt that's got like 42 different colors of paint on it. And he's just wandering around and, oh, Keith, what are you doing? Oh, oh I've, and he's got, holding a nut, you know, I, I got to, you know. I wasn't fully prepared. I will. Oh, me either. Me either. It's to a point now that before we start the project, my dear wife will, will sit down. And she'll go, "Hun, do you have everything you need? And I go, I think I do. Right. I think I do. And we're going to get into this project and we're going to see if we've got everything that we need. Because there's nothing worse than going, oh, my goodness, I don't have what I need to finish the job. You know what happens? You get into the Bible, let the Bible get into you. It'll teach you about God. It'll teach you how to be rightly related to him through Jesus. It'll teach you everything you need for your marriage, for your courtship, for your parenting, for your finances, for those problems you're having. Or it'll speak into all of that. And upon the tool belt of your life, if you'll really dig in and learn it, love it and live it, you know what will happen? It'll put everything you need on the tool belt of your life that you need to do everything that God is calling you to do. You know what? That's an awesome promise. That's an awesome promise. Your life will never be bigger than what this word has wisdom for what you need. And whatever you face, you'll face some difficult moments and some breathtaking situations and some heartbreaks and some triumphs. This word will speak into it. It'll be a ever ready, ever faithful guide for your path. And a light in the dark. And that is why at Northwest Hills we have just made the determination. And can I just say this? We made this determination a long, long, long time ago. 
that we're going to be Bible-based. That we're going to just allow this. Not this. Not this. Not some committee or some group or some this or some that or Dr. So-and-so. Or no, We're going to allow this to be the basis of everything we do. And it works. Not just for church. What's most exciting for me is it works for families and it works for individuals. It works for single friends and married couples and moms and dads and singles again and ladies and wherever you find yourself. And whatever it is that you need, you can find the answer in this book that has been God-breathed. And it will teach you and it will show you what is wrong and it will show you what is right and it will grow you up into a mature warrior for God, one who is living righteously and enjoying the peace that comes from following the love letters from the heart of God directly to your heart. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it does for us in the changing seasons of life. And we thank you, Lord, that we can count on it no matter what. It has never failed us, and you never fail us. And we thank you for that truth. And, Lord, for those friends that are here that are wondering about the Bible, may today be the day, the beginning of an exploration into it and all that it has to offer. We all began somewhere for the first time. And we start with questions. That's a tension that we're comfortable living with. We start with questions, sometimes doubts. And, Lord, how exciting it's been over the years to watch you answer those questions and dissolve our doubts. And as followers of yours, we say to you how thankful we are for this treasure known as the Bible. How thankful we are that we can have so many different copies and different covers and in different nuances of translations. And just to have it, we're so grateful. For those who are just getting started looking at it, Lord, would you show yourself strong to them? Would you just open up to them the wonders of your word? Lord, we love you today. And we thank you for all that you are and all that you do for us. And we thank you for giving us this treasure. May we not leave it closed on our shelves. But may we walk with you in your word every day that you give us breath. Speak to us. Grow us up in maturity and righteousness through it. We pray in Jesus' name.